and welcome to Art Juices' honest, generous and humorous conversations to feed your creative soul and get you thinking with me, Louise Fletcher. And me, Alice Sheridan. And today we're going to talk about selling. Actually, mm. funnily enough, I don't think we've talked about this for a long time. Not for a while, no. How to sell more art. And if we have had an episode about this before, I think we've both learned more, as you always do. So we thought it'd be a good time to revisit this topic. But before we get on to our main topic, as usual, let's have an update. What have you been up to, Alice? Yeah, because I didn't chat to you last week. So we had Easter. We were away. We were in Dartmoor. Guess what? It rained. Mm, You knew that before you went there, didn't you? I knew that. So I didn't take any art stuff with me. Um, It was nice, actually. I had some time for other thinking um did a little bit of jiggling like a very wobbly jelly um my ideas for this book into some kind of shape mm. which is helpful to progress um felt like a kind of proper work on my laptop away from home person because I went with the girls one day there's a nice quite big cafe that's opened up and it's quite funky like it's kind of too funky for the town and you can just imagine actually before they created this where there were just tiny little tea shops and you know quite old-fashioned somebody went there would never be a space for like a 60 seat funky cafe in this small town on the edge of Dartmoor and it was full and it was fun and the food is quite good and filling and lots of choice and you know so we had a very nice time I felt like a kind of person on my laptop in a cafe which normally (laughs) I don't do very well with but because the girls were there revising for A-levels and we had just a very nice time they randomly off the point decided to speak in an Australian accent which they stuck with for three days that was (laughs) both irritating and quite funny um (laughs) We just had a very nice time. And so I kind of came back with a bit of boost of energy, got my act into gear very, very quickly with no notice whatsoever and decided to run some planning sessions for artists, um, but outside of the membership. So did a couple of emails about that and some posts on social. And we had the first one last night and now I'm buzzing with ideas from that. It was really, it was really good. And then that's great because you've been thinking about doing something like that for a long time. I have. And it about was... doing smaller sessions. So I'm really glad you've done it. Yeah. And it was interesting that it came out of this time away and just thinking about, you know, a little drawing that I did in a notebook. And I was like, right, here are all, how could this work? We'll just start with one. And I just had, you know, when you just get that urge to just do it. And mm-hmm. we were talking before we started recording. I was like, I'm going to keep this really simple. It's just going to be this. I'm not going to promise too much. And then, of course, it turns into something else and I want it to look good and I want the page to have everything on there. Hours on Canva. (laughs) You know, just putting it together so that the flow is right and people get what they need from it. And this morning I've decided that we need another space to have discussion. So anyway, I've added more to it. And on the doing things on a whim, I was going through my photo roll and discovered a painting that has never been on my website. And I thought I'd do a little kind of booster promotion for that and sold four paintings on the back of it, which is what prompted the question, really. That's wonderful. Because it wasn't a big, I'm going to get psyched up for selling thing. 
Yeah. And as a result, it felt very easy. Yeah. So I've just had this kind of flourish of energy as a result of really stepping back, which was nice. And you've also had packing and shipping energy going on. Tell us about that. Yeah, I put that series of paintings that I mentioned having finished and feeling like uh, the energy's gone out of that for now, so I'm going to call mm. that series done. And So I put those up for sale. And it's interesting what you say about selling something off the back because by the way I decided to sell those, because I had shared the making of them with my Art Tribe group, I decided to put them on release to Art Tribe members first before mm. anyone else. That I thought sense. that might make sense and they might, and and last time I know some art tribe members were upset because they missed out when I sold some painting. So I thought this way I'm giving my members a chance. And that worked really well. And I sold most of those paintings. But I also, just as you say, got a couple of extra sales off the back, which were older ones. And something um, that I'll talk more about when we get into the selling part, but I have for a long time, my website's been out of date and there's been a lot of sold paintings in my shop that just need to be cleared out, but I haven't got around to it because in Squarespace, it's a bit of a pain and I have to make another page. And anyway, I did it um, because of something in Connected Artists because I think it was Joe said something and I was like, oh, I need to do that. Oh, damn, she's right. She's She's right. So I went and did it and just by clearing out my shop so that it was obvious a couple yep. of things went on the back of one email. I only sent one email about those paintings. That's where I've fallen down. Um, but so that was nice. Um, but of course, that meant shipping and packing. Luckily, these are not big paintings. So it's a lot easier to manufacture cardboard boxes out of recycled cardboard when the paintings are no bigger than 40 centimeters yes. than when they're even two feet can get a bit unwieldy. So that was good. I got all those packaged. I felt quite efficient, but it still took a whole day to yeah. make boxes. Um, it does. I don't I, I like to use up old cardboard for it rather than buying things. Um, so that was good. And I had a big studio tidy because I'm going away next week just for a few days. And I felt like it'd be nice to come back to a tidy studio. So I've just done that. When we wrote our notes for the podcast, I had postponed studio tidy as what I've done this week. And then I thought, no, I'm going to do it now. So I've just done it and I changed it yeah. to tidy studio. I love that. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm using to doist for things and sometimes I put things on there and you can set priorities for them. And I always try to give myself almost like a an easy win as a first priority for the day. Yeah easy or something that I know I can do and just plan it a bit before I go to so last night I thought right okay I've got one more painting to wrap I must do it. and if I get up and do it tomorrow and I do it early I can get it shipped and booked and I can get up the road to the courier drop-off point before 11 o'clock and then it's done by the weekend so I was in my pajamas doing it today and I used I'll tell you who I used this time I used Trans Global Express and I booked it at nine o'clock and they picked it up from my house by 11 the same day wow that's impressive I doubt that's available in my village maybe not but that's impressive I like them the way that they do all the kind of customs details you just basically type it in and they just they do it all the all the paperwork was just done for me. Yeah. So you know your numbers. 
I liked, I used to love Parcel Force because they did everything. And then since Brexit, he was explaining to me that they can't do everything for the international now. Um, you have to print out all that custom stuff. But I use always use Parcel Force because I really like the uh, Parcel Force driver. I know he comes every time. Whenever I've tried FedEx, they don't arrive. That's really annoying, mm. which might be yeah. because of where we are, but they just don't bother. Yeah. Um, but Parcel Force, I know him. I know he's going to arrive. I know what time of day he's going to arrive. And I know he's going to help me put the right thing, get all the right paperwork. So I always use them. Yeah, I don't think we get such a friendly parcel force pickup at this end. And for international, who does the delivery on that, though? Doesn't it I'm go not to sure. USPS? I'm not sure, but they've always... No, it doesn't. Um, it you doesn't. Can, you can book USPS as a service. But no, I don't know who they work with, but with parcel force, it's always got there. Um, okay, that's so worth you, knowing. Yeah, I, I, them quite, I quite like them. I don't know who does it. All my UK ones got there the next day because um, I've had emails from people but I don't know I'll have to see when the American and Canadian ones get there this is it this is the reality of wrapping and painting wrapping yeah. and packing it's the part that I did love when the gallery did it for me last year however they did get one painting damaged and we had to refund because they didn't package properly so at least when I do it I know yeah done my very very best to make sure nothing is going to happen to it on the way yeah I was say maybe that's a discussion for another time but it's a bit difficult to do over podcasts isn't it it is really How do you pack? yeah yeah and well, mine is so much a random ragtag bobtail of whatever I've got in the garage to be honest whatever's been delivered to me and whatever packing came with that and then I make that into something I, I don't really have a proper system it just shows that maybe you don't need one, does it? Garage would be nice, though. Garage. Am I allowed to have garage envy? You right. are. <laughs> so moving along, you suggested this week's topic on selling, just because I suppose you thought we'd both been doing a little bit of that lately. Is that yeah. why you thought this would be a good topic? Yeah, it's often the easiest way to talk about things, isn't it? When it's fresh in your mind, because it feels relevant. So for me, it was these... It was these two things that I've been selling this week. One, as I said, which was literally going sorting through my photos into albums and thinking, oh, there's a painting. Wonder what happened with that. Did I ever, because it hasn't been as part of a hung show or anything, and I checked on my website and there it was sitting in draft with the title and something, but without a photo. And I'm like, well, here's the photo. Why did I not match them together and include it? And I don't know why. I think the colours are a little bit unusual. It was a more vivid green. Maybe I just felt that it didn't feel part of the group. Anyway, so I thought, well, okay, I won't sell it as part of a group. Paintings don't live as part of a group in someone else's house. Mm. I will just do it as here is a painting. And I did do a slight promotional code on it. Maybe that helped. Mm. But because it was a one-off, it felt really easy to send it as a one-off in an email. And it and it sold very quickly. And then some more on the back, because I think I'd done again what you'd done as a result of Joe ticking us all <laughs> off and connected <laughs> and kind of updated, putting everything together on one page rather than spread off over from different um, exhibitions. And um 
So it felt easy. And this is the benefit of a mailing list. Mm. But it felt easy and like super exciting because it was one. It didn't feel like a great arduous challenge of having to do like a whole collection and lots of talk around it. And then as I've been talking about this class that I've just run, which was zero run up, (laughs) zero discussion, zero lead in. And so I just sort of had to get on it a little bit more in the way of, okay, well, you've just got to keep telling people about it. Mm -hmm. Just keep telling people about it. And what I quite enjoyed was that I also managed in the same week to have discussions about ghost story podcasts, bookshelves, asking people for help with my dentist issue. And so what it made me realize was, again, there was a way to feel like I had a reason to be on social media and talking to people. And yet I wasn't, here's all the stuff selling, 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 or at least it didn't feel like that from my end of it. But you do have to keep reminding people. And yes, the sales for that class did follow the pattern of, yes, you get a burst at the beginning and then they drop and then half of them come on the last day. Mm. If you don't sell, send that last reminder, half your sales gone. Yes, that is always, because every year I track my course um, numbers And just I have a spreadsheet where I just write how many people signed up. So now we're on, I don't know, the fourth year or fifth year. I have a pretty good idea based on the first day's numbers, how many people will end up joining because it's always the same pattern. It's as Mm. you say, I have probably because of the time of day I launch it, um, evening and the next day, two very strong days, then nothing you know very small sales then another big day which adds up to almost those first two days um and I know that now so I can but it like you say if you do not if I do not email people every one of those days in that six day selling period I'm going to lose some of those sales at the end I think it's a different thing with courses or classes or workshops because obviously you've got multiple places. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can talk about different angles of it each day. And there's a little bit of a system for doing that, just to give you those touch points with people. But it did make me wonder how much of that we actually don't do in -hmm. the same way for paintings. I think we're all guilty of sending an email about, the paintings that we've got finished and then leaving it at that yeah yeah hands up I just yeah. did I did one email to art tribe and then I, and then the following Sunday I put it in my newsletter and I didn't even put it in my newsletter as I have some paintings for sale I put it as part of a put um, an article right. I'd written like oh and by the way here are the paintings if you want to see them and there are I think four left and I haven't emailed out to say there are four left or here are the ones that you know did you miss this release there's still some paintings left I've not done any of that I've just left it so that's and why is that because you're not apologetic about them is it just I've just been busy packing and I haven't sent that yet 
I think it's what you, I think what you said, I'm a lot less good at the system for doing that than I am. Mm. I tend to, I tend to think, I don't think this is the correct way to be, but I tend to think, oh, the paintings, I'll find the right person in the end. Like one of the ones that sold or two of the ones that sold that were older were from last summer from that exhibition. So they were emailed to everybody. People came to a show you know, they were on sale for a month and then they were on my website ever since and nothing's happened. And now there they go when I thought they were never going to sell. So partly I suppose I think that, but that's no excuse. I could, I could, I could do that again. And is it because there's a little part of us that thinks, Oh, I don't want to pester. Is it a little bit? I don't think it's that, you know, I think that by the time we've got to the stage of like, you're so committed to the work when you're making it, you're so involved in it while you're making it. And as you said about this series for you, like the energy has kind of gone out of the making of it. Then you've done the photography and the varnishing and the framing. And you've told people you've moved, right. faces everyone. But the point is, like you've yeah. moved on energetic like we're on to the next thing so yeah. I think the first lesson here is we've moved on other people haven't moved on even if they've been following the journey with us they're still at that point of culmination if you like it's like oh where's the outcome of this and also don't forget much older paintings where are you still miss or where are you missing an opportunity to highlight some of those because you're in love with those at the time you do them it makes me think that because what you said about the energy maybe if when we write that initial email we write two follow-up emails which we schedule Mm -hmm. so that so that we're doing it at the point where we're feeling like selly yeah and we don't leave it until a week later when we're going oh yeah well whatever someone will like them or they won't because I think that kicks in. I think if you send a first email and it's like tumbleweed mm-hmm. and, you know, you send an email and you calm yourself down and you make a cup of tea and then you check your email inbox and you're like, nobody's bought it within the first half hour. <laughs> what, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> what, what's, wrong with the, what's wrong with these people? What's wrong with these paintings? What's wrong with me? Why does nobody want them? Have I priced them too high? Why does nobody love me? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then you're in a space where you don't feel like telling people again. So I think you've got it. Capture Capture the high point and write multiple emails at that point. Yeah. Because and I then do you do still have boss. to be brave about sending them, though, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But if you've scheduled them, they just go out, and you don't. And you, you'd have to actually stop them if you felt like. But that you do bring up a good point that at the moment, touch wood, luckily for us, at this stage, we don't usually have tumbleweeds. But there can come a point where that happens, and there was a point when that happened for me earlier when I would put paintings out, whether it was in a venue or or on my website and then no one will buy them. Mm-hmm. And that feeling, as you say, that's really dispiriting and really takes away your energy for doing another push. 
And what do you do when that happens? How do you keep yourself in the spirit of selling when you're not getting the results that you want? I'm my main point of reference for that, because I don't think there have been that many that I've done purely online. It is things like art fairs where you're there. Maybe you don't have a great first evening is reminding myself what is there to enjoy? How can I show up as the best version of myself so that I meet people where they are looking at the work? Now, obviously, that's that's a whole other thing, meeting people in person. Um, but in terms of doing things online, how do you manage it when it is silence? But I think it's the same thing as what you're saying, isn't it? It's but you're it, more isolated, aren't you? But you're doing it online. Do what you're doing, which is to keep. You've mentioned before putting red lipstick on and dancing around to get your energy up. You've still got to metaphorically put on the red lipstick. Yeah, which is very easily said and a lot harder to do. But you are only sitting at your kitchen table typing nobody's actually there looking at you yeah and I think it is one of the reasons why actually it's quite hard at this at the beginning it's quite hard to to have work and, may, and maybe this is just my experience of it my experience was it felt much easier to do things in person because online you don't have that connection you don't have that immediacy of somebody seeing the painting in real life for one thing which makes it a hell of a lot easier because there is there is an immediate connection there's an energy connection they can see the details much more easily we're so used to swiping online it's got to be it's really kind of got to grab people as something they want and they want to be involved with. And you either do that by having quite a good run up or like you say, you know, you'd been sharing the process of making your paintings behind mm -hmm. the scenes with a particular group of people. Yeah. So they were invested in the outcome already. And people I, do I that with all sorts of things, book writing and all sorts. And I yeah. know that's part of what we do on social, but I wonder I if there's... I think we both do that in different ways, which is what I call selling all year without mm. selling. So yeah. you will pop on Instagram for a live just for a chat or you'll just post about your day on social media in a really engaging way. You'll get people talking. You'll share hidden parts of your – like we'll see little bits of what you're doing and you'll describe the process. I share on YouTube a lot of what I'm doing. Yes, I shared this with Art Tribe in more detail, but I also shared it on YouTube and Instagram all the way through. And I feel like every day I'm trying to build engagement with people. I answer all my comments, almost all of them. Mm. And it really doesn't take that long to at least just hit a little heart on a comment um, or just put thanks and um, I, I try and do it like early morning or evening when I'm watching telly, just quickly scroll through. And But by building relationships all year, whether you're selling a course or paintings or anything, you've brought people into your world. And it's really hard to talk about this 
to other artists who struggle with social media because sometimes they, people will say, well, I post all the time and that doesn't happen for me. And I've it's not actually, posts, isn't it? yeah, I've not actually come up with, you might have a better answer than me about the difference between the posts that engage people and the posts that don't. But there is a way of building relationships, just like there is in person. And if you can do that, people are on your side, they're, they're invested in some small or big way. And then when you have something, they've either decided, like you with your program, they've decided, I like Alice, I like the way she explains things. And then they see, oh, she's going to be teaching something. Oh, good. I like the way Alice explains things. I bet I'll enjoy that. I'll go for that. Or if it's your paintings, I really love the way Alice paints. I wish she had something up for sale. They check your website. Maybe the right painting for them isn't there. But then when they see you've got a release, oh, I'll go back and check if she's got something that would suit the space I've got this time. And when they find something, they're going to shell out the money as opposed to if you are relatively a stranger to them, you might make the same beautiful painting, but it it won't have the same impact. So I yeah. think we are selling ourselves every day, all the time, in emails, on social media, however you choose to do that, because we've talked about this, it might not be Instagram. Or I actually find Facebook better for me than Instagram in terms of relationship building yeah. for some reason, um, and YouTube better than Instagram, but I still use Instagram. But um, my email list is by far and away the the key thing. That is where my relationships are built up because I write to people. And the other thing is, we've talked about this before as well, knowing who you're talking to. And I don't mean Mandy is an advertising executive who lives in North London. And I don't mean that, but... Shops from this shop. But I've I've identified quite clearly that most of my collectors are artists so it works for me to do an artist newsletter to artists to talk about my process in a way that maybe wouldn't be interesting to average uh, muggles who don't paint it might be boring but to these people it's interesting and then they buy paintings so it works. And so because I know that, I now know how to talk to people. That's the part about knowing who your audience is that I think really helps because you know how to, you know what to post, what to write in your newsletter, what to, and then you're not selling, you're just communicating what, you, what you've made and people can choose if they want to buy it or not. You don't have to feel pushy. That's that's the biggest shift for me, I think, was when um, it was probably Judith, actually, a coach ages ago. She said, just don't think about it selling. She's just offering. You're just offering. But your offer has to be clear. It has to meet people where they are. It needs to be desirable for them at mm -hmm. that point. And there are lots of factors in there that you don't have any control over. Like you don't have any control over whether somebody's got a big wall space on that. That's that's up to them. You don't control how much disposable income they have this month. That's up to them. 
you there are things that you can do to make sure that your paintings are presented well are photographed well feel like they're going to they have to fit a need for somebody and I know it's not the same as like oh my loo's blocked I need to go out and buy loo cleaner but how do you make choices about that you just go and you buy something that's cheap and gets the job done right don't put things down your toilet when it gets blocked Alice that ruins the pipes (laughs) I'm just thinking about the worst the worst possible thing that I could think of that would be a (laughs) space. But, you know, paintings aren't like that. And if you think about, I think about the paintings that I've bought, I've never been out to buy a painting to fill the space. The artwork that I buy is people who I follow. And then suddenly there's one of theirs that I absolutely fall in love with. I kind of like their work. Yeah, I really like it. Or maybe one day there'll be one that's right for me. And then you see it and you think, oh, that one quick buy it before someone else does. Yeah. So there has to be that long-term engagement and it is long-term and And it's frustrating at the beginning when it feels really slow it is I get it and it has to be exceptional in some way um we had remember when we had Seth Godin on the podcast we had (laughs) Seth Godin on the podcast he talks about the word remarkable has to be something worth remarking on and when I first started, I remember I was making these pen and ink drawings. They were quite striking, but honestly, they weren't that good. But I was quite pleased with them. And all my friends on Facebook, at the time it was Facebook, and all of them on there were saying these things like, I would buy some of these. Oh, these are fantastic. I could love these on my wall. And so I put a bunch of them up for sale. I made a website and I sent out a post saying they're for sale now. And I really thought, right, they're all going to come now and buy these things, which they said they wanted. And one or two did. Most people didn't because they weren't exceptional. They were only being nice when they said that. They, They didn't actually mean it. And so I was, I remember feeling really crushed, like, why did why did, first of all why did they say they wanted them and then not buy them but secondly why don't they want them and when i look back at them i think they were not good enough yet they were not good enough yet for anyone except someone who really felt a connection with me personally to want one yeah otherwise there would be no reason to buy one mm. and that is part of it too that it, you have to keep getting better and better and better. And sometimes I, I've seen people say, and this has happened with people I've seen on social media complaining, you know, Instagram doesn't work. My my things never sell. And they say they will say, there's nothing wrong with my work. That's not the problem. And I think when you say there's nothing wrong with my work, I know that's not the problem. None of us can say that. None of us can say it's not my work. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your work, but we can't say if something doesn't sell, it's not to do with the quality of what I've made. We don't know if it is or not. It might be because we're too close to it. And so there's a part that is always saying you have to keep getting better. Like I feel if you didn't get better each time you release paintings and same for me, that our sales would dry up over time because people would say, I've seen that. She she was doing that years ago. I got one then. I don't need it again. 
I think you sell when you keep improving and getting better. And if you're not selling yet, it might be, it isn't always, it might be that the work isn't yet standing out enough from other people's work to make somebody want to invest in it. Yes. Which is um, a tough thing, a tough thing for us to hear, but sometimes it's true. Well, I was just thinking when you were saying you have to make it exceptional, that that feels like, quite frankly, now that feels like quite a hard thing to live up to. If if I felt well, like I changed it for remarkable. Okay. Worth remarking on. But let me follow my thread of thought okay. on exceptional, on. though, even yeah. if we're accepting that that's a little bit high, because... The point is, if I feel like my work has to be exceptional in order to even put it out there or feel like it's worthy of making available or making that offer to people, I'm never going to get there. Mm -hmm. I would never be here if I had to do that. But you're absolutely right in the sense that every time you do it, you need to look at it and think, what can I learn from this? How did my work look together? Was there a piece that really stood out? Why was everybody talking about that one? When I looked at them all together, which one was kind of letting the side down? Which mm -hmm. one did I let through my kind of filter of you know, actually these paintings all feel really good or was there one that I put in just because I needed 12 paintings and that one I really didn't feel was up to it. Yeah. And I, that, that sort of learning is one of the most important things about this, whether you're selling something and it goes well or whether you're selling something and it isn't going well, is that ability to look and say, what can I take from this? How can I do this differently next time? Because there are some things that you are in control of. And there are always going to be these things that we're just looking for an overlap and it's the right person, the right painting at the right time. You, can, you can't make any of that sort of stuff perfect. No. And if you're painting for yourself, as we do, like I've said before that I want my paintings to go more and more in the direction of not being beautiful necessarily. And these last ones, there was part of me thinking these might not actually do very well because I'm moving away from beauty as my standard, I guess, and looking for something else. And that might not be something that other people find attractive. And I'm okay with that. So I had kind of had that conversation with myself that, yeah, don't. In fact, if they don't sell, maybe it's an indication that I'm on the right track. Maybe I've mm -hmm. gone as far, you know, maybe I am pushing it as far as I want to. So it, I think we should also say that having great sales isn't necessarily your objective. It's just, it depends what you're going for. But if it's your objective, asking yourself if the work's highest, the highest quality it could be. And so what I mean by remarkable is simply if it's in a um, a gallery and people come in, is it worth them telling the person that they came with, oh, come and look at this? Is it worth them going home and saying, oh, I saw some really great paintings today. You should come back and have a look with me. Or, yeah. or was it mm, I walked in, I looked around, I left, I forgot all about it five minutes later. 
And it's, it is a high bar for us, but we should have a high bar for ourselves. But I do believe, going back to what you said, I'm not saying that should stop you putting things up for sale because I've always put things up for sale and a lot of the time they weren't good enough. And that's how we learn and that's how we grow. You just have to be realistic with yourself, not take it as um, a discouragement Judgment. or even yeah. try, rather yeah. rather take it as an idea that you're on the right uh, path, but you've not got there yet. Yeah. I like Maybe. remarkable much more than exceptional. Yeah. Remarkable, remarkable is- sounds like, you know, a bit quirky, a bit fun, finding a point of difference rather than a kind of quality judgment. That's quite nice. And that's a good point that you bring up, a point of difference. A lot of times when people say they're not selling and I go look at their website or Instagram, I, I don't know what the point of it is. Yeah. Um, and by which I mean they haven't told me anything for me to the get latch on handle to. on. Yeah. Like I was... That, that's- that's the connection point though isn't it there has to be think of it like velcro you know you're doing your thing but there has to be a point where the other person goes oh okay I get that I'm stuck now yeah you know I see the point I'm in it it's a place I love there's a feeling that she's talking about that makes sense to me you know whatever it is which is going to be personal but we've we've yeah, that has to something, happen. Something that, that, yes, I was talking to an artist, um, Nino Yoniadi mm-hmm. from from Oregon, I think. Sorry, Nino, if I got the wrong place. And his paintings, if you look him up, I'll put a link in the show notes. They're abstracts, but they've got these amazing names, which are all yeah. food Food based. But they're like food things that don't go together. So he's got one that's called strawberry ice cream with kale chips. Yeah. Things like that. And he also has a really meaningful reason behind the paintings and the titles and why he does what he does, which if you look at his website, it's all there. But even if you don't know the meaningful reason, the titles are exciting. It's like, yes. oh, that's different. Oh, yeah. I wonder what's behind that. So it can be that or it can be a paragraph that tells you something that really hooks you in. And of course, if you do that, you also will turn off some people who say, oh, I don't like that. I don't, I don't. She said that her work is all about whatever and I'm not interested in that. That's stupid. I'm just going to go away, which is part of this. But in order to appeal to some people, you have to not appeal to others. That's part of the deal and the tough thing is that you do just have to figure this out as you go Mm. nobody gets it right straight out of the gate and when you're in those early days and you feel like you're putting in the time and the legwork and you're you're doing everything that you think you're supposed to but think about anything else that you do that you do now with accomplishment cooking playing the piano when you first started doing it yeah, weren't so didn't come so easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there is this sense of perseverance through those stages where it feels really difficult. I just just bringing it back to something that maybe is a little bit more practical for people to think about, which is just reducing the friction. 
for buyers. So just making sure that you're making it easy for people. What is the flow? How many buttons do they have to click? Is the pricing obvious? Do they feel confident about how it will arrive? All of those kind of things need to be in place for the reassurance to be right. And I think on the connection element, if it is somebody that you're engaged with, and I do this, sometimes I do it with voice messages on social, um, or sometimes if people are emailing or a buyer is emailing, and if they email, their phone number might be on the bottom of their email, I'll ring them. Mm -hmm. Even if we're in discussion stage, because they're like, oh, hello, it's really nice to hear from you. Tell me what you're thinking about. And then they can tell you all the things that they're worried about or they're not sure about why this painting or why that one. Because they they won't tell you that. In the email, they won't tell you that. They won't write it down. Yeah, yeah. And I think you can do that very gently. You can do that super gently. But I think even the point of, so there's a there's a course that I have bought recently and I am I would have been interested in it, but I would say I am 90% sure that I bought it because this particular person has a habit of if I comment on her posts, she leaves me a voice message back again. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a very personal response and a continuation of what she does already on social. And I think it's genius. I don't think she's doing it as a genius tactic. I think she's doing it because it's easier for her, but it feels really different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a nice idea. It won't be for everybody. Some people listen to this going, oh my holy goodness, don't ask me to do that. So don't. But, But that goes back to answering the comments again so many people say well I'm trying on Instagram but I'm not getting any engagement and then I look and they they might only have eight comments and they haven't even answered them it's only eight people yeah you can answer eight comments and make people feel special you can say thank you so much for looking at my painting and stopping by I really appreciate you and other people think oh wow you actually looked at what I wrote I know it gets overwhelming the busier you get, but until it's overwhelming, you can do that. So is selling online harder, do you think? We've discussed this, haven't we? I'm not really a great person to ask because I haven't done much in person. Even the gallery, the two gallery things I've done, I wasn't there every day in person. Other people were managing that, obviously. So... I've not done an art fair. I've done open studios and I did do well there. So that that was quite successful and I quite enjoyed that, although it was exhausting. But I find it easy online because of the system, as I said, that I've set up. So because I've built up those relationships over time, over years, I find sending an email quite easy. Yeah, because it feels like you're talking to people you know. Yeah, I'm not having to do a big sales push. I'm just saying, hey, this has happened. I want to make sure you get first, you you get first look. Um, but but I'm not a good. What do you think? Because you've done both. I think it's different. Um, the ones that you sold at the gallery. Do you know how many of those were people who went because they knew you, and how Almost many? All of them. 
almost all. The gallery people sold three, I think. We sold 40, and they told me three were strangers. Yeah. And um, I was actually there at the same time as a lady who was there because of me, but I didn't know that. she. We were in the gallery at the same time. Then she went off for a coffee and someone said, oh, this lady was here and she's thinking about buying that painting there, but she'd already gone. And then the next day I heard that she did buy it. So they claimed that as one of theirs. So actually it was two because I know she was there because of me. So, uh, yes, and I knew that going into it. I knew I just wanted a, a venue to display them because I thought I'd sell more. And also I wanted someone else for that many paintings to do all the packing. Yeah. <laughs> and shipping to be honest and it was like I think it was 25% commission so I thought that's 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 pretty good yeah Yeah. that's that's fair for what they're going to do and they had staff on hand and people were really good at talking about my painting so um but yes it was my selling I did the selling for that by email they didn't really do much I did all my email marketing I mean what it shows you is the power of that connection and a relationship that's built up over time that people have with you and with your work mm-hmm. and what you at events so at art fairs where it is complete strangers walking past so there is something insanely satisfying when somebody who's never mm-hmm. seen your work before doesn't know you stops and decides to buy a big painting don't get me wrong that is i it's enormously reassuring yeah. it's a buzz quite frankly is it any easier? I don't know. I've trogged up to Manchester. I've stayed in a hotel. I've paid for a stand. Mm. I've had to hang it. Is it easier to do battle with a cardboard box over breakfast on my kitchen table as a result of sending an email? Yeah. yeah both have got their disadvantages, haven't they? They're, they're different. They're very, very different. But I think they both do, they both take a certain amount of kind of time and commitment and energy in different ways. And I people get to the stage where they find that one works best for them than the other, but you have to experiment and see, don't you, really? Uh, the other and thing and about, just keep going. The other thing about selling in person I found awkward was um, I sold one at the first gallery show to some strangers who came in and asked about it and then I was I felt so much pressure there's like a pressure to get that sale closed I wasn't being pushy but I was feeling it like okay I really want them to buy this now oh they seem interested and then looking from across the room after I've left them to think about it and they're talking to each other what are they saying are they going to do it and I kind of like the distance that online gives you where I can't see her go to her husband and say what do you think about this and I don't, I don't have the experience when he goes oh no no way <laughs> it's almost like the reverse of that thing when they people say about Instagram posts or whatever your audience online and people grumble about the numbers and you say well yes imagine but if you had 400 people in a room and they'd seen your work and that how that would feel and that would feel a lot it's almost like doing that in reverse because in in reality of written art fair there might be thousands of people who walk past and you can visibly see them giving Ignoring you about <laughs> a three-second glance yeah. and not paying you any attention. Whereas actually online, you're not aware of that. 
so yeah. much. Yeah. And nice. we're just we're just looking for that one link. And it is a numbers game. It is a time game too, about just being the right painting at the right time for the right person. And so I think if there are two things, three things, there's going to be a lot longer list of things. Just build your foundations, make sure you 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 are putting in that work on building, whether it's what people experience on your website or what you're sharing on Instagram uh, is really important. Keep going, keep doing it, keep learning and also keep reminding people. People need to know these things more than once. doesn't matter yeah. what you're talking to them about. Don't feel like you can do it once and then go, oh, that's enough. It didn't work for me. Yeah. It does take a bit of energy. It does. It does. And I think you have to think of it as building relationships, not saying, well, I've posted on Instagram over and over again and nothing happens. Have you built relationships on Instagram? And if you haven't, how how could you? And it doesn't have to be masses of people. I know now we've built big audiences, both of us, but we didn't have big audiences when we started. It doesn't have to be tens of thousands of people to sell artwork it just has to be some of the right people who really care about what you're doing and that does require a bit of work to find them yeah so have you got anything that either you've enjoyed or that's inspired you this week um no (laughs) well when you when you said, is there anything you've enjoyed? You know what I thought about? The only thing that I could think about is the pot of clotted cream in the fridge for which I have yet to make scones for. <laughs> so I haven't enjoyed it yet. But you will be enjoying it. I have a recommendation, but before I do, there's something I forgot to mention last time. Last time we were on together, I recommended Ted Lasso as a TV show. And um, I'm now on season three. Oh, my God, it's so good. Anyway, I forgot to mention that in season one, I think, might be season two, in Ted's flat, you see a painting on the wall, which is Alice's painting. Really? Um, yeah, it's it's a wall that only gets shown once so far. He's in this flat and this particular wall is only ever stood in front of it once. And there is one of your paintings or prints, I guess, in a frame on the wall. So I was really impressed by that. And I meant to mention it last time, but I forgot. It's, I'm that's... always seeing them pop up in different places. Yeah, that's quite funny because um, I'm amazed that it because that's American, isn't it? It is, but it's filmed in the UK. Ah, that's why then. Yeah. Yeah, it's filmed here and it's just got two American characters, but everyone else is English. If only I got a name check or any kind. Can you imagine if you got like 2P royalty from everybody watching? I know. Oh, you'd be. Would be a good wheeze, wouldn't it? That's huge in America, that show. You'd be in Clover. Anyway, so I wanted to mention that and give you a shout out so everyone knows. And if so, if you're watching Ted Lasso, (laughs) it's a scene when. Nate and Beard think that the team's going to lose to Manchester City (laughs) and Ted is telling them to be more optimistic in his flat. I cannot remember which season, but there's Alice's painting behind him. And the other thing I want to mention, me as a terrible reader these days, I am reading a book, a novel that I'm really enjoying called Lessons in Chemistry. 
So she, this is a book about an amazing woman who lives in a very sexist world in the 60s. And it's just all about her life and journey. And I'm quite close to the beginning of it, but it's funny and well-written. It's kind of a literary novel, but not a difficult one to read. So it's called Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. And I recommend it at least so far. That's good. I like a good novel recommendation. Not that I'm reading that many novels at the moment, but... You're too busy listening to ghost stories. I'm too busy listening to ghost stories, reading other kind of books too. She's Um, listening to a podcast. Tell us what the podcast is. The podcast is, okay, the podcast is called Uncanny. Yeah, I love that podcast. Um, And it's sort of short supernatural goings on and ghosty stories. And then somebody comes along and tries to explain them away and say how this is really nothing to be spooked about. Do you ever believe the person who explains it away? I never do. No, they kind of say, well, that's it. And you think, no, but what about the this and the this? Yes. That could <laughs> yeah. possibly have happened. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so next week we have a guest on, and I just want to take the opportunity um, just to let you know that Connected Artists will be opening again in May. No, I don't have dates because I'm not doing a big massive launchy thing and I haven't sort of thought about it but if you are interested in finding out a bit more do come over to my website alicesheridan.com and go to the four artists um, page and you can sign up to be on the wait list and I'll let you know all about it when we're ready for you. So that's it for us this week you can find Alice on Instagram at Alice Sheridan Studio and me at Louise Fletcher underscore art. So do come over and check us out and say hi. And we will see you again soon. Take care. Bye. So have hang on, I'm just gonna make sure Alice is not dying. She's choking to death, so I'm, and she's put the sound off. I'm just making sure she's actually not dying because she's gone red in the face. And I can't continue to speak, and actually she passes away right in front of my eyes while I'm just babbling on about a book. I think I inhaled a fly. <laughs> nice. <laughs>